In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash big climb. 15. Could we be inching closer to opening day? And our player profile series has us looking at a couple of outfielders who could be across the board threats. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have That's not had uh, three cold brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, May 26th. I'm Al Melchior, and I am here with Michael Beller. Michael, I you know, I don't know how optimistic to be or not to be, but we do have some signs maybe pointing us towards an opening day. One of these is that uh, there is now an opening day in Japan. Uh, Nippon Professional Baseball has announced an opening date of June 19th. There's going to be a full revised schedule, uh, possibly with as many as 120 games uh, to be announced in the near future. And, uh, of course, uh, Tuesday, the the day we're bringing this to you, uh, we are expecting the economic proposal from the owners in MLB. Uh, We do have some early details uh, from uh, Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal. And uh, revenue sharing is not going to be a a part of this plan, reportedly. So we'll know more about this, I'm sure, uh, probably within hours of us uh, talking about it here. But um, with June 1 as an informal deadline, Michael, for there to be a season in early July, uh, I realize we're just making semi-educated guesses here, but do you think we'll have baseball by, by early July at this stage? You know, I'll say this, Al. I'll say that I say that I feel the most optimistic that I felt since everything shut down a few months ago. You mentioned the good signs that we have, uh, both this agreement coming together and seeming like the owners and the players are moving a little bit closer to one another in what they are willing to bend on and what they're still going to hold fast on. Uh, the, the Japanese league uh, has its start date underway, and then if you look at What's happening with both the NBA and the NHL certainly seems like those two leagues are a little bit more optimistic about getting their uh, suspended seasons back underway and actually having a playoffs and crowning a champion. So if you take all those together, uh, it does feel like we uh, have reason to be cautiously optimistic right now. So I do feel better uh, than I felt at any point over the last three months that we're going to see a 2020 Major League Baseball season. Yeah, I think I'm I'm moving towards being very pessimistic to thinking maybe maybe we do have a chance here. So, uh, with that in mind, we're going to continue with our player profile series, and it, you know it's a good opportunity with this uh, time off from baseball to take digger uh, deeper digs into uh, some statistical profiles and really just the entire player pro- player profile. Um, and we're going to talk about a couple of players that I, I I feel like we've talked about very little, um, and so. 
with as much time as we've had to dig into players uh, and their their profiles. Uh, these are two we haven't talked about much, Charlie Blackman and Ramon Laureano. So let's start with Charlie Blackman. And the, the question I want to start off here for you, Michael, is do you have any expectation of him delivering steals at all? Because in 2019, he had just two. Projection, projection systems seem to think he's due for at least a mild rebound, but uh, are you just completely discounting any sort of contribution there? Yeah, I think it's hard to count on Charlie Blackman for any major steals production. If he gives it to you, then of course you'll take it, but you were talking about a guy who uh, is going to turn 34 right around uh, the start of the season, if there is one, uh, July 1st is his birth date, so he's right on that uh, right on that uh, age uh, cutoff date for what age we consider him for the season. Uh, and the steal's been going down every single year, from the peak of 43 in 2015 to 17 the next year, 14, 12, and then all the way down to two, despite playing 140 games last season. So sure, maybe he bounces back up on a 162-game season, but bouncing back up to you know five or seven, it's going to be modest production. I don't think you can count on him for that. But with that said, I think he's still a very, very good player and an attractive target at this ADP. Yeah, we could certainly get onto the the parts of his profile that I think give us a little bit more reason for hope. I think you can read the steals trend a couple of different ways because you can look at the fact that while he only stole, stole two bases in 2019, he did make seven attempts. So you could look at that and say, well, maybe they're just going to shut down the running game with that kind of inefficiency. Or you can look at it that, well, they, they did give him some, you know, some green lights and, you know, maybe with that many attempts this year, uh, he'll do better and, and maybe even you know pick up a few more chances if he can improve his efficiency. I, I'm not sure which way to, to read that, to be honest. But let's um, get to some of the, the good parts of his 2019 season, and there are plenty of those. He had his lowest strikeout rate in three seasons, just 16.4%. And the last two months of the season, August and September, it was really low, 12.7%. But if you look at his rolling average over the last few years, it's not a case of where this was all backloaded and, you know, he was striking out a lot earlier in the season. Pretty much overall last year, he was striking out less. He just did it even at a better rate in August and September. Um, yet the projection systems don't really seem to give him credit for that. They're looking at uh, some pretty major regression for him in terms of strikeout rate. Uh, do you think that there's a way to maybe get a bargain? by uh, waiting on, on Blackman and, and figuring that you're, you're probably going to get a better batting average than what he's projected to get? Yeah, I really like Charlie Blackman at his price. I mean, every single thing that he did last year uh, feels legitimate. I mean, you, you, you give up what you had to give up in steals, but the power was still there. He's still going to score a ton of runs hitting at the top of that Colorado lineup. He's almost for sure going to get to play at home, so you don't have to worry about losing that uh, that core's environment for half his game. Sounds like if there is a season that most teams are going to be able to play in their home parks or all teams are going to be able to play in their home parks. And if you look at his stat cast for profile got a guy who was in the 92nd percentile in expected batting average, 85th percentile in expected slugging, 81st in uh, expected WOBA. And you can maybe draw a little bit of concern from his exit velocity and his hard hit numbers. Uh, exit velocity, he was 39th percentile hard hit. He was 56th percentile. But if you go back and look at Charlie Blackman uh, all the way back through the StatCast era, which goes back to 2015, uh, those are pretty much right in line with his career numbers. So I think we can safely say that we should expect Charlie Blackman, even at those modest uh, exit velocity and hard hit numbers, 
to be a guy who, if he maintains that, who's going to push 30 homers or exceed 30 homers in a standard 162-game season. So I look at everything he did last year, and I think it can carry right over to this season, Al. And when you're looking at a guy who's getting selected, uh, what, right in like the mid-50s overall, that I think is a huge bargain compared with some of the guys who are going ahead of him. I see a guy who is going to be playing more like a, you know, maybe a, a second, late second, early third rounder who you can get a full round or round and a half later. I really like Charlie Blackman as a target this season. Yeah, well, we're thinking along the same lines, uh, you know, in terms of that ADP that you just cited. Now, that places him uh, 10th on Fantasy Pros among outfielders, 13th in NFBC. So he's behind some players that I think he could be roughly equivalent to, uh, again, uh, if he beats the uh, projections on his batting average, which are all right around the, the, the mid-290s. Uh, and I think he could have another season where he's, you know, right around 310. Yeah. And um, so you've got... Outfielders like uh, Bryce Harper, J.D. Martinez, Starling Marte going ahead of him uh, in, in most leagues and typically going in the second round. So if you're in a situation where the, those uh, three outfielders are available, you're around, you know, pick 20 or so, uh, would you think it'd be worth it to just wait an extra round or maybe two rounds uh, and hoping to land Blackman uh, and, and address a different, a different position? You know, if I were guaranteed to get Blackman, I would say yes to that most likely. Starling Marte is the outlier here because of his steals, right? So he provides, he's just like a totally different player compared with the rest of these guys. Bryce, J.D. Martinez, Charlie Blackman, you're basically looking for strong ratios and a lot of power production, right? So I think that Marte is the outlier when you're looking at those four guys. The problem is that you get into is you wait on, you say, you know what, I like these guys, like J.D.'s available, I like him, but... I'm going to be cute here, wait two rounds and get Charlie Blackman. Well, there's no guarantee that when two rounds later, when you're planning on getting Charlie Blackman, that he's still there. So if I could guarantee that Blackman were there for me, yes, I would rather do that. So I think that really strikes at the heart of what you're asking. Uh, If Blackman weren't there two rounds later, then I would probably have a little bit of buyer's remorse passing on J.D. Martinez. So if J.D. Martinez, Starling Marte, Bryce Harper, if that's the top guy on your board, I would say... Don't get too cute and wait on Charlie Blackman because we know what happens to the best laid plans. But it's a trade that I would make after the draft, right? It's something like that I would feel comfortable saying, oh, I could get you know Blackman and Max Scherzer, someone like that, right? Or Blackman and Anthony Rendon. That's something I would feel good about rather than, you know, I don't know, Bryce Harper and let me find someone in that, right? Like Bryce Harper and Josh Hader, Bryce Harper and you Darvish. If I was looking at that, like that's a good one, right? Bryce Harper and you Darvish or Max Scherzer and Charlie Blackman, I'm going to take Scherzer and Blackman 10 times out of 10. You just can't guarantee that Blackman's still going to be there if you roll the dice and wait for him. Yeah, I mean, based on ADP's third round, uh, even in a 15-teamer, seems like fairly safe, a fairly safe bet, but you just never know. Every league Mm -hmm. is a little bit different. All it takes is one person who likes him as much or more than you do, and then he's gone. That's right. So that's definitely something we, we have to remember when we are drafting again. Now, our other outfielder that we're going to look at here, Ramon Laureano, it's a bit of a maybe a reverse situation where he's going maybe a bit higher in uh, in drafts than, you know, maybe you, you would expect him to or that the, the projections would sh- suggest where he should go. In fact, in NFBC leagues, he is uh, right now 21st in ADP among outfielders, quite a bit lower in fantasy uh, fantasy pros, 29th there. But the most optimi- optimistic projection system uh, of the ones that are published on Fangraphs is ATC, and that projection system has Loriano 30th. 
So roughly on a par with the Fantasy Pros ADP and far below uh, NFBC. Uh, now, he did join the fly ball revolution in 2019, so it became much more of a home run threat. 13 stolen bases, which probably for a lot of owners ranked as disappointing if you mm-hmm. prorated out uh, what he did in his rookie season. So with you know much more limited track record than what we have from Charlie Blackman, what would be your, your baseline expectation for Laureano? Um, my baseline expectation for Laureano certainly doesn't match what his NFBC ADP is. To me, that feels a little bit too rich. Um, and you mentioned the batting average risk. I think that is absolutely real. Um, I think that even if you are expecting some sort of increase in uh, stolen base production, that you are asking a little bit too much because he doesn't draw a ton of walks. I mean, he's not someone who's going to be up there and, and getting you know, a 7 or 8% walk rate most likely. I mean, you go back to 2018 and he had a 9.1% walk rate, excuse me, but that was just 176 plate appearances. And last year, basically a full season, he did miss some time due to injury, but 481 plate appearances. And a 5.6% walk rate, to, walk rate, man, that's giving me a lot of trouble today, <laughs> to go along with a 25.6% strikeout rate. I mean, that to me uh, screams a lot of on-base risk. And that makes me concerned about what sort of production you're going to get from him. I do think that he's going to have some flexibility or some, plenty of leniency at the top of the lineup. It's hard for me to imagine him uh, performing down to a level where he would be moved out of the top third of Oakland's lineup. And when you're talking about uh, having guys like Matt Olson and Matt Chapman hitting behind you, I think you're going to have a lot of run scoring opportunity. I think that he will be given the green light to steal bases uh, when he does reach, but I wouldn't expect much more than that 13 to 15 range over a full 162 game season. So I look at Ramon Laureano and I see a lot of expected growth baked into his price. And what that means to me is not a whole lot of room for profit potential, Al. I think you're basically being asked to draft him where his uh, best case scenario would say he should be drafted. There's just a lot of room to fall short of the draft day price on Ramon Laureano. And for that reason, I found myself staying away from him this year. Yeah. Um, well, that would be the, you know, the thing to do if you, uh, if it required uh, a pick in the top 80, which is what it, it has been taking in NFBC. Uh, I'm going to read off a few outfielders who are going after uh, Laureano and NFBC okay. drafts uh, on, on average, Jorge Soler, Joey mm-hmm. Gallo, Luis Robert, uh, Marcelo Zuna, and, um, Eddie Rosario. Okay. So is there any one of those five you actually would feel comfortable taking Loriano ahead of? Taking Loriano ahead of one of those guys or taking one of those guys ahead of Loriano? Uh, I'll say taking Loriano ahead of them because especially given what you were just saying, I'd, I would not be surprised if you said none of them. <laughs> um, so definitely not Soler. Uh, absolutely think that the power is 100% for real with Jorge Soler. I can count on that. I'm keeping him. Not Luis Robert either. Um, I think that we need to trust what the scouts say when they say it as unanimously and vociferously as they have about Luis Robert. I think he is going to be someone who immediately comes up and is a big player for the White Sox. Uh, You know how much I love that lineup and how much I've wanted to get invested in that White Sox team this year. I think you got a lot of potential 
for Luis Robert. Interesting compared with the other three, Gallo, Ozuno, Ozuna, excuse me, and Rosario. I think that's where Ramon Laureano belongs. I think that's the neighborhood uh, that he should be being drafted in. The one guy who I could see myself pretty easily liking Laureano better than is uh, Joey Gallo. The power, of course, immense, but I am not a huge fan of one-trick pony players, and that's exactly uh, what Joey Gallo is in a batting average league. If we're talking OBP league, then we're talking a little bit of a different story, but here you and I are talking batting average and I just don't want to be on a guy who is going to give me a ton of power, but really nothing else, especially in MLB as we know it in 2020, where it is not much of a challenge to find power. So if we're looking at those guys, if we're looking at those six, those five plus Loriano, I think I rank them Soler, Robert, Ozuna, Rosario, Loriano, Gallo. Wow, okay. In an OPP league, uh, I think it's a In an OPP league, it's just for sure, yeah. Yeah, for those two at the end, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, well, good stuff, Michael. And um, we haven't uh, checked in, I think, in a while with your your, uh, Cubs uh, on the uh, Athletic Alternate Universe. Do you have any updates on that coming up or – Got a, a new column out today. We have extremely shifted gears, so I will ask you to go ahead, check that out. I was inspired by my watching of The Last Dance to uh, ah. change things up and try to salvage a championship core for one more season, even though things have gotten a little bit uh, off the rails in Chicago. We're still going for it at least one more time, so check that out for sure. All right, good. And we, we have another featured read for you and really sort of in the opposite vein in that your Cubs have uh, not not met up to your expectations. But the Angels, they're they're in the uh, wild card wild card hunt in the uh, fake American League. So <laughs> Fabian Ardea has uh, written that up, wheeling and dealing with the Angels in the athletic alternate universe. A very comprehensive rundown of how he's been running the Angels and, and running them pretty well so far. So check both of those pieces out. Uh, on The Athletic. And that's going to be all for today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off of your subscription. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. You get the whole site. Everything is a part of your subscription. And if you are listening to this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we do greatly appreciate it if you will take the time to do that. For Michael Beller, I'm Al Melchior, and we'll be back with you on Wednesday.